You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome to your Tuesday edition of Crunch Time here on the game. It's 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana sports station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and World Series champion Houston Astros. What a weekend it was in the world of sports. LSU upends Purdue 63-7 in the Cheez-It Citrus Bowl. Malik Neighbors catching and throwing touchdown passes. Uh, The defense getting interceptions left and right. You name it. Great performance by the Tigers. You had the Saints go on the road to Philly. Team with the best record in the league. And you beat them. And, and and you beat them, I'm not going to say convincingly, but, I mean, you beat them pretty handedly. And Tulane shocks the world, winning the Cotton Bowl over a blue blood in, in USC for the biggest turnaround in the history of college football. But then about 8 o'clock last night, all of that suddenly meant nothing as the Monday night football game between the Bengals and the Bills, one that has been circled on on many fans' calendars for the entire year. Uh, It was a battle of 11-4 and 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 12-3, two of the top quarterbacks in the league with Joe Burrow and Josh Allen, major seeding implications on the line, this, that, and the other. And it started off just like you would expect it to. Both teams scored on their first possession. The Bengals get a touchdown on their first drive. The Bing- the Bills settle for a field goal. Bengals get the ball back, and T. Higgins makes a catch at midfield, gets tackled by DeMar Hamlin, and then DeMar Hamlin collapses. And suddenly everything stopped. CPR was administered on the field. Hamlin was down for nearly 10 minutes. And he was eventually loaded into an ambulance and taken to the only level one trauma center in the area where he is still in critical condition with a breathing tube and in ICU. And the game was suspended by by the NFL and the coaches um, after a long deliberation of how to proceed which was was 100% expected because the commissioner has to, you know, be in contact with both coaches and team owners and this that and the other. It's a long process. It's not a decision that can just be made in the blink of an eye. And so the the game gets suspended and then postponed. Today it was announced that the the game would not get played this week. And they won't make any changes to the Week 18 schedule, so it's just not going to be made up as far as we see. Unless you just were for some reason to be like, we're only going to do a one game on like a Thursday. I mean, that you, you could but do even it that then, way. But even then, that would be a really short week. But that would, that would push everything else back. You'd push the whole playoffs back. Which has been done before. Yeah. 
But so I mean, that's not you know the the end all be all. But the the thing the thing that's important is, is looking to see if Demar is still okay. Right, because at the end of the day, it's a game. You know, we 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 sit here and, and we speculate and we share our thoughts and opinions on a game. And, and granted, it's a game that we all love, and it, it's a game that has been in our lives for you know as long as we can remember, and, and this, that, and the other. But the fact remains is that it's secondary to the health and livelihood of a human being. Last night, you saw... You know, it, it's crazy to look at yesterday. You you saw the best of football, and then you saw the absolute worst of it. All in a 24-hour period. And it, it was gut-wrenching. I mean, I, I'm going to be honest, I, I'm still a little numb at, at what transpired last night. It's just unfathomable to think that a 24-year-old football player nearly died on national television last night for everyone to see. I mean, that is just gut-wrenching. That is somebody's teammate. That is somebody's son. That is somebody's friend. Whatever, whatever term you want to use... I mean, I can only imagine what his mother is going through today and what she has gone through for the last almost 24 hours now. I mean, it's it's just absolutely sickening. So it, it's moments like this where you kind of sit back and reevaluate and, and prioritize, you know, what's truly important. And in the sports world, you haven't really had a moment like this since... Since Kobe. When, when, when Kobe died, everything kind of stopped. And, and you reevaluated, you know, game over, over human life. And, you know, obviously we're going to do the same here. The last update from the Bills is that DeMar Hamlin is still listed in critical condition at UC Medical Center. Uh, and He has stayed in ICU throughout the day. And according to the hospital, they will not provide an update today on DeMar Hamlin, which could be taken as good news because there's, there's no drastic change for the worst if, if they're not updating. But then there's no drastic change for the better. So it's kind of a, a glass half full, glass half empty kind of mentality there. There is a statement from the family of Damar Hamlin that says, On behalf of our family, we want to express our sincere gratitude for the love and support shown to Damar during this challenging time. We are deeply moved by the prayers, kind words, and donations from fans around the country. We also want to acknowledge the dedicated first responders and healthcare professional, professionals at the UC Medical Center who have provided exceptional care for DeMar. We feel so blessed to be part of the Bills organization and to have their support. We also want to thank Coach Taylor and the Bengals for everything they've done. 
Your generosity and compassion means the world to us. Please keep Damar in your prayers. We will release updates as soon as we have them. So, James, I'll I'll bring you in now. I'll get off my my monologue here. Uh, again, the the message here is is that the game is secondary, but if if you're the NFL, where do you go from here? To me, at this point, it's too late to even want to re to redo the game because you're not going to redo it tonight. You're probably not going to redo it tomorrow. So then at that point, you making the Bengals and Bills play on a Thursday when they then have to play the Ravens and the Patriots and the Patriots on Saturday. Just you, you can't play two games in three days. No, you can't. So at this point, you just have to wash that one. You have to put it as a wash, and you just won't count it to either player's record, or you just announce it as a tie. To me, I, w- I would think since it wasn't tied at that point in the game, you just don't ca- count the game at all to either one's record, and they're only going to play. They're only going to have sixteen on their record instead of seventeen, like everybody else. Yeah. Uh. I mean, not not that that even really matters at this point. Um, I, I just, uh, again, it, it's hard to to put into words what happened last night, and you know what Bills players and e- even Bengals players are are feeling today, knowing that you know one of their teammates and competitors is laying in a hospital bed fighting for his life. Um, but, you know, obviously thoughts and prayers continue to be with DeMar Hamlin and the Buffalo Bills organization and really the entire NFL community. Uh, if instead of a, a poll question today, if you head to our social medias, a link was shared to DeMar's toy drive that he does each and every year. Um, just if, if you can... Share it, get it out to the masses. If you feel inclined to donate, absolutely do so. Um, you know, it, it's just it. It's been incredible to see that. You know, it had a goal of twenty five hundred dollars, and the last I checked, it was well over three and a half million, which is just absolutely incredible. And to see the outpour of not only NFL fans but NFL players donating to the cause has just been incredible to see um and 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 once again thoughts and prayers continue to be with damar hamlin and his family but on today's edition of crunch time we will recap the weekend we will talk two lanes unprecedented victory in the cotton bowl we will talk lsu and purdue we will also get to some college basketball conversation as well in the show at 5 o'clock, Wilson Alexander will join us. He was in Orlando for the game yesterday. We will talk about LSU's performance, 10 wins in year number one for Brian Kelly, and much more. And then at 5.30, Brendan Moore from the Sideline Sports Network will join us to kind of recap bowl season as a whole. Who stood out, who disappointed, this, that, and the other, 337-706-0111. Phone lines open for the entire first hour. 
if you want to jump in and talk about the DeMar Hamlin situation or if you want to talk about the Saints, LSU, Tulane, the Cajuns, whatever it may be, 337-706-0111. And here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the simulcast, Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. We'll go ahead and take a time out here, and when we return, we will talk LSU and Purdue, and you will hear from head coach Brian Kelly on the win right here on the game at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now, back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 418 here on your Tuesday. LSU went to Orlando, Florida and took down Purdue in crushing fashion. 63-7 to in the 2022 Cheez-It Citrus Bowl. LSU scoring 14 points in each quarter except the second where they scored 21. Garrett Nussmeyer throwing 173 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. Uh, Jane Daniels was the leading rusher, and Malik Neighbors had the game of his life. Nine catches, 163 yards, and a touchdown. He also threw two passes, completed both of them, with one of them being a touchdown. It was a game where everything just kind of went right for LSU. Uh, it opened in, in the, early in the first quarter with a touchdown run from John Emery. Noah Kane followed six minutes later with one of his own. It was 14-0 after one. In the second, you had a touchdown pass from Jaden Daniels to Mason Taylor, another Noah Kane touchdown run, and then a touchdown pass from Garrett Nussmeyer. And then in the third, Jaden Daniels catches a touchdown pass thrown by Malik Neighbors. It was the Philly special. Uh, it ran, ran to absolute perfection for a 42 to nothing lead, and then Garrett Nussmeyer later in the quarter hit Malik Neighbors for a 75-yard touchdown to make it 49 to nothing. I mean, Purdue would finally answer a minute into the fourth quarter with a 16-yard catch from Michael Alamo to TJ Sheffield, and then LSU would cap it off with 14 points on a Derek Davis 12-yard touchdown run, and then a 99-yard pick six by Quad Wilson to make the final score 63-7. to LSU capping off a 10-win season in year number one under head coach Brian Kelly. And following the contest, Brian Kelly gave his thoughts on the win. First of all, I uh, want to thank uh, Florida Citrus Sports, uh, certainly uh, the Cheez-It Citrus Bowl. Uh, what a great week um, and, and a great venue. And we appreciate this bowl. And um, our players um, really enjoyed being part of the community here and you know, look, you get these opportunities and you want to be able to uh, celebrate your season, enjoy the bowls and the atmosphere, and then you want to go play well. And we did that today. In the contest, one thing that really stood out from the Tigers was the play of their defense, giving up only 263 yards of offense from Purdue, including four of 18 
on third down. LSU's defense forced three turnovers as well. Just a, an all-around great performance from the Tigers' defense, and uh, Brian Kelly shared his thoughts on the play of his defense. Amazing, right? I mean, we, we drew it up on a napkin, uh, and uh, the guys just – for me, it was fun to watch them play today because they played with great effort, great desire. Um, the will to win these games is, is obviously, um, you know, important. you got to have that. But they executed a defense that we had only put in for about two and a half weeks and really proud of their execution and the way they played today. James, what were your thoughts on the Tigers winning the Citrus Bowl yesterday? Oh, man, it – if Purdue, we knew that this matchup was very far apart. We knew that LSU outmatched the Boilermakers by a large margin. I did not expect it to be fifty-six points no. of a difference. I, no. I, I was, I could have seen four touchdowns, maybe five if they really did it. But man, you could really see LSU getting to them, even though they didn't have some players. Some players were getting ready for the NFL draft and. Some players weren't there and some coaches weren't there for Purdue, but you could see it It really affected Purdue a lot more than it did LSU. Yeah, and it was, again, like you, like you said, when you know guys like Aiden O'Connell and Charlie Jones started opting out of this contest, you, you kind of thought, okay, you know, LSU's going to... Because you looked at last year and you were like, oh, a lot of big names weren't there for LSU last year and... Even though they were a lot more desperate than obviously this year, you thought, okay, I mean, they're going to fight and LSU's going to win, but you felt like maybe it'll be closer than you anticipate because of what you saw last year. But obviously they have turned a whole new page. This team is ready to go, and they wanted to make a statement. Well, it's a much different situation than last year because, I mean, if we remember – you put a wide receiver quarterback. Correct. That's that's why I was like, you're not as desperate as you right. were last year. And so you had plenty of options to go to at signal caller. You had 36 scholarship players for that game, I believe was the it was, number. I think it was 39, 38. Yeah, it was it was definitely high 30s. I don't think it got to the 40s though. Um, and, and so obviously, you know, th- this game was a much different situation, uh, considering that three different quarterbacks took the field for LSU in, in this game. But I was surprised, James, one name that you didn't hear a whole lot on the defensive side was Harold Perkins. Yeah, you had seen him make huge impacts against teams like Arkansas and other big matchups that they had played. But this but this game, you saw him every once in a while. You saw him make some plays. But overall, as a team, everyone st- stepped up. So it kind of felt like Harold wasn't, as much of a big factor, right? You didn't you didn't have to spotlight him as much because everybody else was also making plays and making an impact themselves. Yep. It wasn't Harold Perkins having to carry the team to a win. Yeah, he had three tackles uh, with with a sack and then one and a half tackles for a loss. So I mean, he had a a solid game, but definitely a a quieter performance than than you've seen recently out of him. And then LSU getting three interceptions for a total of 122 yards and that touchdown from Quad Wilson. Isn't it so interesting that as a true freshman, you looking at the stats in the game that Harold Perkins played and you're like, 
Well, that's not what I'm used to. Right. That was <laughs> three tackles, a sack. It's a quiet night. What's going on, Harold? What's wrong? You know, you don't want to play. Right. right. Yeah. It's he. Was, that's how much. That's how fast of an expectation he has grown. We knew that we expected a good bit, and we're like, he he's going to blossom into something really big, and we still obviously think that. Right. But the fact that not even the first year has passed, and you look at him getting a sack, multiple tackles, and over a tackle for loss, and you're like kind of underperformed that just shows how much Absolutely. he has showed up this year now i've got a question for you which quarterback impressed you more Jaden daniels or garrett nussmeyer Ooh, more yeah which, which one was more impressive in in your opinion because they were both really good i was gonna say i don't feel like one really stood out more than the other because i mean you you look at the numbers Jaden daniels had a little over 200 yards of total offense Completed 12 of 17, had the touchdown pass. Nussmeyer, 11 of 15, 173 yards. He had two touchdowns, but he threw an interception as well. So they, they were pretty even in this game. Uh, but, you know, looking at the game as a whole, one thing that really stood out to me was the way the defense celebrated after the pick six, the, the, the turnovers. I mean, at one point, they went by the cheese it mascot was mm-hmm. was laying in the they laying on the little cheese it couch. Yep, and one of the coaches had to come get him. Right, and it was like Jay Ward, Harold Perkins. I think you got, I think you got two excessive celebration penalties yesterday. Yeah, like they they were just having a blast. And uh, following following the win, uh, Brian Kelly was asked about the celebrations of his team. I was actually, and. Um, you know, obviously, I, I probably crossed the line a little bit and got a penalty that's out of character for me. So um, I didn't apologize for the team, um, but uh, they'll hold me accountable for it with SWAT points, probably. Um, but, you know, look, I just if, if, if they were to do something that was um, demeaning to the other team or not in good sportsmanship, um, we would have taken action. But they were having fun with each other. And uh, if a bunch of old men can't get out of the way of that, um, we're, we're in a bad spot. Um, so let them have fun and enjoy it. And um, at least that's the way I saw it. And as a reminder, uh, if you've seen traffic updates, I-10 eastbound right over the I-49 corridor. Um, has been shut down due to an 18-wheeler being stuck on the overpass. So uh, avoid that area if if possible, uh, because there will obviously be some major delays in that area. But let's quickly go to the game hotline now. Chad, what's up? Uh, man, I just drove through that. I live in Broussard. I have to go all through, all around Scott. Uh, to go to Broussard. So, yeah, it's a, it's a mess. Man, the whole it, – isn't it saying that backup quarterback's always the popular uh, – most popular quarterback on campus? I, I don't understand where the controversy is with everybody wanting Nussmeyer uh, to start over to start over Jaden. Uh, Brian Kelly, he's on – not on record, but there, there's a recruit or two. I'm not exactly sure which one. There's a recruit, recruit saying – that Brian Kelly told him at the beginning, this is a rebuild year. 
um, they 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 were expecting five, six, seven wins, and they got to ten wins because mostly of Jane Daniels. So I don't know where where it's all coming from. I I think Nuss Myers could be a great quarterback, but you look at Jaden Daniels, he doesn't turn the ball over at all. I, I forgot how many interceptions maybe he had through the whole year. Uh, you could probably remind me, what, three maybe? Three. Uh, if that, and he just doesn't turn it over, and we don't get to ten wins without him. Uh, that's just my opinion, man. But uh, I just want to hear yours. Thank you. Well... You know, and I'm not discrediting what Jaden Daniels has done this year because he has been a fantastic quarterback. But his his one downfall, which my RP3, our morning show host, has just relayed to me, he can't throw the deep ball. Garrett Nussmeyer can sling it 50 yards down the field if you needed him to or if it was even open. And that big playability is something that LSU seemed to lack at points uh, of the year. Now, I'm not saying that being able to chunk a ball 50 yards down the field infinitely makes your team better. But from a from a fan's perspective, they, they want that big play. They want that excitement. They want they want that, you know, 75 yard touchdown pass. Every game. And there, there were just points in the year where LSU seemed to lack that. So I'm, I'm, I'm not going to... it was particularly during the big games. Correct. If you, if you saw it again, you would see it against New Mexico, and you would see it against... Uh, Southern. Like Southern, like the other game. You would see them throw a deep pass easily, and they would always connect. But it, the big games, you saw 15, maybe 20 yards of air in the ball. Right. And then you know, but may, other, maybe, you wouldn't you wouldn't see forty yard. Maybe bombs. the receiver would run for another fifteen yards. Correct, but, but you didn't see it very often. You weren't you weren't airing it out like like Garrett Nussmeyer can. Now again, am I saying Garrett Nussmeyer is a better quarterback than Jane Daniels? No, no. I, I said it last week, and I'll, and I'll say it again. I, I've got, I've got a feeling that Garrett Nussmeyer is going to transfer. But that is Jaden's biggest flaw: is him being scared to throw the Correct. deep ball. Correct. Um, the the reason that he doesn't turn the ball over is because he doesn't take a lot of chances, which some quarterbacks are built that way, and some coaches are okay with that, and clearly, clearly LSU is because, I mean, Jane Daniels is their guy, um, but I mean that to me that would be that would be the biggest want for Garrett Nussmeyer, James. Before we wrap up, I do want to quickly let you know that now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's free bets back if your first bet doesn't win. With live betting, you'll get updated odds on games that have already started. And when you win, you'll get paid your winnings fast. All on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So sign up today with promo code KLWB for a no-sweat first bet. That's promo code KLWB. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 or older and present in Louisiana and permitted pairs only. First online real money wager only. Refund issued is not withdrawable free bets that expire 14 days after the receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. We'll take a timeout and we return. We will recap some more college football, including the two playoff semifinals 
and Tulane in the Cotton Bowl right here on the game at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Slings it far side. Stingley steps inside the receiver and picks it off. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. A shot to left field. Going back on its Gordon. He'll look up. at a goner. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Welcome back. 437 here on Crunch Time. Let's recap some of the weekend in college football from the playoff semifinals, which were probably the two greatest games you've had in the playoff. To Bryce Young putting on a master class inside the Caesar Superdome. And Tulane going to Dallas and shocking the world. Um, you know, you, you, you start with Alabama and Kansas State where, you know, you look at this game and you expected Alabama to win this game. It was a seven-point line. You know, obviously Alabama, Kansas State, there, no knock on Kansas State, but there's a talent gap there. Um, so you, you expected Alabama to win this game. But... You know, after a 88-yard touchdown run by Deuce Vaughn with three and a half minutes left in the first quarter and Kansas State takes a 10-0 lead, you said, hold on, wait a minute. All right, we'll start trying. Can, can we, can we, could we see Kansas State knock off Alabama? Obviously, there was plenty of football left to play at that point, but the question kind of crept into your head, right? Well, then, you know, Alabama finally gets on the board. It's 10-7. End of the first quarter, it's 10-7. Kansas State, you're like, okay, you know, we're hanging. We're good. It, it's fine. We still have a lead. <laughs> okay. Back-to-back touchdown passes in the second quarter by Bryce Young. 21-10 uh, to 10 at the half, and then from there it was, it was over. It was over. Uh, Bryce Young throws two more touchdown passes in the third quarter. Jace McClelland gets a touchdown run and then a field goal by both teams and then a garbage time touchdown by Kansas State made it a 45-20 to final score in this one. Bryce Young throwing five touchdown passes in his final game wearing the script A. Only had six incompletions. I mean, I don't know if I have ever used the term master class better than this game. I mean, just some of the plays that Bryce Young was able to make. I can remember a third down very well where a Kansas State defensive end had him dead to right. And he just... Inched up in the pocket, bought himself an extra second, bought his receiver an extra second, and threw a touchdown pass. I mean, if that's not just being a dog, I'm not quite sure what is. But again, it's Alabama. What would you expect? Bryce Young's going to be the number one overall pick. He won the Heisman Trophy 
this, that, and the other. You expected this. One thing you probably didn't expect was TCU. Wowzers. This was one of the better football games I've seen in a long time. It, it really was. You know, the, the game started with a 41-yard pick six by TCU. And they later, you know, Max Duggan led a, a long 76-yard drive, milked some clock, punched it into the end zone. You're up 14 to nothing at the end of the first quarter before Michigan can even bat an eye. And then in the second quarter, what you saw was not only did you see TCU continue to have success offensively, but you saw even more of TCU's defensive dominance. Michigan put up six points in the second quarter, both by way of a field goal. You kept the Wolverines out of the end zone until the 632 mark of the third quarter. And, you know, they crept back. They had the three field goals. They had the touchdown pass. So now six and a half minutes left in the third quarter. It's 21 to 16. Michigan's right back in this ballgame. And then TCU says, let's rip off 10 straight points. 13 straight points, excuse me. Let's let's score back-to-back touchdowns, including another pick six. So now it's 34 to 16 again. And then you go to the 14-13 mark of the fourth quarter. You get a touchdown catch from Roman Wilson and a two-point conversion, and it's 41-38. to And you say, okay, well, it's a ball game once again. Psych. First play of the dr- – the third play of the drive, excuse me, after the first two plays really got you not much of anything. Max Johnson finds Max Max Johnson Max Duggan finds Quentin Johnston for a 76-yard touchdown. I mean TCU it was one of those games where TCU was a 7-point dog in this game. Every time Michigan tried to respond not only did TCU respond right back But James, they responded harder than Michigan did. It got to the point where, you know, if the clock would have continued to run, I don't know how many points these two teams would have scored. This would have gotten real ugly. They set a Fiesta Bowl record for total points in the game. No Fiesta Bowl had ever had 96 total points between the two teams. This game was nuts. And so then, you know, If you look back at at past playoffs, you would sit there and go, okay, well, you know, this one was was so great, maybe the the night game will be a little bit of a downer. Nope. Georgia and Ohio State may have given you a better game. That one might have been better. Two top quarterbacks, both of them Heisman finalists, just absolutely dominated You had great receiver play. Marvin Harrison Jr. had a great game until he went down with an injury. You had deep touchdown plays in this game as well. A 37-yard pass from C.J. Stroud. 
You had a 76-yard touchdown from Georgia in the fourth quarter. This, this game gave you everything you wanted. And then at the very end, Georgia State's, I mean, Georgia scores with 54 seconds left to take a one-point lead. But you say there's still 54 seconds left. That's plenty of time for C.J. Stroud. And it was. C.J. Stroud led Ohio State's offense a solid 15, 20 yards in the field goal range. You lined up for a 45-yarder. Today's college football, that's a chip shot. Until your kicker shanks it to the left. And, you know, you you go back and you watch the replay of that shank and you think, oh, well, a Georgia defensive lineman had to have gotten a hand on it for it to go that wide. Nope. Dude just choked. Which, you know, it's hard to say that you wouldn't do the same under under the same circumstances. It was a 50-yard field goal at the end of the game. But even so... Like most kickers nowadays are are more than fifty percent from fifty yards. We've seen more kickers in college nowadays get a little better kicking those long ones, but you still do see yeah. quite a bit of the time. A lot of them struggle. But that bad? That one it, it was so bad. I mean, it was you, no good the second his foot touched it. Oh, correct. And the ball, for some reason. It ducked. horizontal. Yeah, it ducked. Yeah, I was like, the ball, the noses are vertical, but by the time it left, by the time it got in the air and it was free flying, it was horizontal as could be. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not sure what happened there, um, but it that was not pretty. I mean, again, the the second his foot went into it, that that kick was no good. It was way left, way left, on the left hash. Correct. Correct. I was like, he had to kick it a little to the right to make it, and it went way left. That was it. Was that was bad? It nearly hit somebody. Now again, I'm not going to claim to be good at kicking field goals. Oh no, because, I have a I have a terrible leg because I'm not. Never been a kicker. Never will be. I can kick a soccer ball all day long. James knows. I can kick a soccer ball with accuracy. A football, not a shot. Not a shot. However. As a sports journalist and a lifelong sports fan, kickers have one job. One job. Now, I, I get the pressure. I, I get I the moment. Say, I, I get that. This is for the win. If you miss, you lose. And I this get is from, that. And this is from a far distance in college at 50 yards. That is a, that is a lot of pressure. But not three minutes earlier, you hit from 48. Mm-hmm. What's two more yards? What's two more yards? And I remember that forty-eight yard field goal. Two more he yards. Had, he with... had a couple more yards on it. That forty-eight yard field goal would have been good from about fifty-three. So I mean, a, a fifty-yarder. What? That that should be makeable. That I that icing though. They, the 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 ice the kicker worked there. Who? Because, good God. Because when you're a shooter and you look at the hoop too long. Oh, yeah. You'll miss it. Oh, you'll miss it. You'll miss it. G- gave him too much time to think about it. Yep, absolutely. And nowadays, absolutely. You don't, nowadays you don't see it as often that icing the kicker 
matters, but boy, was that one effective. Right. No, no question about it. So now TCU and Georgia will meet for the national title next Monday night. Uh, that one will be incredible. It's going to be incredible. You've got a great defense from Georgia. Little weak in the secondary, and TCU can air the ball out. So that one, it, it, that that game is going to be one for the ages. Georgia looking to become the first playoff era champion to repeat, and they would only be the fourth champion to repeat in college football. The last one being 2011 and 2012, Alabama. Now that you scored a Amazon Alexa or Google Home smart speaker for Christmas, you can now use it to listen to the game. Just ask Alexa or Google Home to play the game Southwest Louisiana. Do the smart thing and have the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles with you at your office, your home, and everywhere you go. We'll take a timeout. In hour number two, Wilson Alexander and Brendan Moore will join us. Plus, we'll talk the Tulane Green Wave and college basketball. But we'll wrap up hour number one right after this here on the game at Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station and your home for the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Alexa and the game make a great team. Do yourself a favor and enable the Alexa skill, the game Southwest Louisiana, so you can keep it locked in to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wherever you go. Welcome back to Crunch Time right now. 4.54 as we're wrapping up our number one. Do remind you that now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because right now new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's free bets back if your first bet doesn't win. With live betting, you'll get updated odds on games that have already started, and then when you win, you'll get paid your winnings fast, all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So sign up today with promo code KLWB for a no-sweat first bet. That's promo code KLWB. Make every moment more with FanDuel this season, the official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 and older and present in Louisiana and permitted parishes only. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable free bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. We've talked about, and we hope that Damar Hamlin is going to be okay. Currently, he is still in critical condition. We haven't gotten any further updates. More likely, more likely than not, won't get any more updates for the rest of the day. And then we've also talked about the college football playoffs and how LSU did in their bowl game. But for right now, quickly talk about the New Orleans Saints as they were able to defeat the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday. But they have been eliminated as the Buccaneers were able to come back from behind and beat the Panthers. As well as there was a very niche scenario where you needed a lot to happen. And you need everything to happen like the Vikings beating the Packers. And then a bunch of stuff in Week 18. But the Packers crushed the Vikings. So that is gone. The Black and Gold will not make the playoffs in 2022-2023. slash and their season will end after week 18 next week when they take on the Carolina Panthers in the Caesar Superdome. You know, it's one of those situations where you you've done a lot, right? Now cuz now you're you you won the last 3. But it's too little too late. 
Correct. And that was and that was the worry with this team was you'd finally start really clicking after it was too late. Correct. Your the the straw that really broke the back or that made it insurmountable was giving up that lead late and having Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers come back to well, win on that Monday night game. And then, that was your last real chance. And, and once again, just like last year, you put your fate in the hands of somebody else. And that's never a recipe for success. It's not, because when you have to depend on other teams to help you out, it's not very likely that you'll be able to do it. So, you know, again, you and I talked about this. I think Dennis Allen and the Saints have done some some good things. You've won three in a row now. In the last couple of weeks, I think there is finally something positive to, to build on for 2023. But it, but if I'm the Saints, the leash on Dennis Allen isn't a mile long. I'm not saying if I were a midseason, but, I mean, you're going to have to see results before you get super comfortable with, with him as head coach. Hour number one in the books. Hour number two, we'll kick it off with Tiger Talk with Wilson Alexander right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and world champion Houston Astros. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. It's hour number two of Crunch Time here on The Game at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and world champion Houston Astros, Matt Miguez, James Mesh. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. And here in Katyana, you can watch us on the simulcast, Stadium 32.3 and on 133 if you have LUS Fiber. In hour number one, we touched on the LSU game, we touched on the playoff semifinals, and of course we, we spent a lot of time talking about DeMar Hamlin and his injury from last night, Monday Night Football. We will update you if anything comes out over the course of the next hour. Um, if not, obviously, you know, we will update tomorrow on crunch time. But, you know, let's go let's go to some positive news now. LSU taking down Purdue 63-7 to in the Citrus Bowl in just absolutely hammering fashion. Uh, Let's talk about it with our guy Wilson Alexander one last time for the 2022 season. It's time for Tiger Talk. Johnson throws. Boutte's got it wide open at the 10. Far side. He's in for the score. Hit high. Hammered to left field. Going back. Taking a look. Is Holcomb. And it's gone. Time to talk all things Bayou Bengals with the advocates Wilson Alexander. Here is Tiger Talk on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Wilson, Happy New Year to you. How are you, sir? Happy New Year, man. I'm doing well. How are you? Oh, doing well. Thanks for asking. So, b- before we get to LSU, I-, I just I have to ask. You know, the sports world has has been talking about Demar Hamlin all day. So, I have to get your your thoughts. You know, what are what's going through your mind right now as we all just kind of wait for an update on Demar Hamlin? Just hope he's okay. You know, it was um, terrifying. Seeing that happen, you know, as you're watching the game last night, um, to and just to see it, you know, unfold in, in that way is it's scary, you know. And um, you've seen people take really 
vicious hits in football. Um, but for this to also be, you know, to be caused by a, a cardiac arrest and have CPR administered on the field is just really frightening. And so thoughts are with his, with him, uh, the Buffalo Bills and his family and just hope that he's going to be okay. You know, going going to some positive news though with, with LSU getting that win over Purdue yesterday, sixty three to seven. This was a, a performance that, after the way you dropped the the last two games of the regular season, and and then, well, the last game of the regular season, and then the SEC championship game, you really needed, and LSU was able to deliver on that yesterday. Yes, this is a great piece, uh, a, a great. Just sort of um, you know, creator of momentum, I guess, for LSU heading into the off season. Uh, knew that this was going to be a really depleted Purdue team, um, and that LSU should win. I think, you know, I talked about that a good bit. Uh, you know, there was a good reason why they were favored. Um, but to go out and not only win, but to win in the way that they did, uh, created a lot of confidence. They were able to do whatever they wanted all day. They try out, play a lot of players. You know, get them some reps. Uh, you know, in-game action, which is just not, you can't just, you can't replicate that in practice as much as you play in practice. It's great just to get in the game um, and, and sort of knock off some rust, you know, getting Walker Howard out there for an entire quarter. That's good for his development, even if it's in a game that's well-decided, um, things like that. And, and so just, you know, you saw Malik Neighbors break out. You saw some good moments from some other players as well. Mason Taylor had a solid day. Uh, Greg Brooks really, you know, continuing to prove why it's so important that he's coming back next year. And so just a, a great way for LSU to end what has been a successful first year under Brian Kelly and start to head into year two, feeling really good about where the program's at and able to, um, you know, they, they hope to be able to build on that. You know, you brought up Malik Neighbors, nine catches, 163 yards, two scores. He also had a passing touchdown to Jaden Daniels, coincidentally. Uh, Malik Neighbors really took that, number one receiver role yesterday and ran away with it. He absolutely did. This was, you know, a receiver where you could see it yourself whenever we were at fall practice and even back in the spring, you thought, whoa, there's something really impressive about this this guy. The strength of his hands, his speed, and his ability to create separation. Um, and he had had a really solid year. I mean, gosh, he was he coming to this game, had like over 800 yards receiving. But he'd only had like two 100-yard games uh, this year, one of them being in the SEC championship. And to turn right back around and put up a career-high 163 yards, um, takes the most the most electric play of the game was from him with that 75-yard shovel pass that he turned up field and just ran away from everybody. And you start, you know, Brian Kelly said it that you know he the mantle uh, of the next great LSU receiver is open, and Cash, and um, Malik you know, has the uh, opportunity to take that now. And you started to see that, okay, if he can play even just somewhat similar, I mean, not even do that every time, but just play somewhat similar to that, um, you know, coming into 2023, he could have just a a massive year. Uh, And already finished this one with over 1,000 yards. And so he's positioning himself to be the next number one uh, offensive weapon that LSU has. And, you know, obviously a a receiver is only as good as his quarterback and and both quarterbacks – both Jane Daniels and Garrett Nussmeyer played exceptionally well yesterday. Walker Howard even seeing the field in the fourth quarter. The the running game was strong as well with Noah Kane and, and John Emery uh, really providing a spark there. 
just kind of talk about overall the the performance of the offense in a game where, again, like we talked about earlier, you really needed that performance. Well, they went nine straight possessions at one point without punting. <laughs> I mean, one of those was right at the end of the half. Um, and then, you know, Garrett Nussmeyer threw an interception was another one there at the goal line. But anytime you do that, and they broke a Citrus full record with, uh, well, uh, gosh, I can't remember the exact number all of a sudden off the side of my head, but it was well over 500 yards of total offense. Um, and just put up 63 points was uh, tied an LSU record for the most in the postseason with the 2019 team. Anytime you tie an offensive record with that team, you're doing something pretty good. Um, and that was, you know, in the 2019 semifinal against Oklahoma when LSU scored 63 points. And, you know, so now it's that. And the Citrus Bowl is the most points that LSU's ever sco- scored in a postseason game. And um, anytime you do that, you're doing something really well. And there were so many guys you could highlight. You, you named a few. Um, like I said, Mason Taylor earlier, LSU's offensive line played well, even though they rotated a lot. Um, getting a lot of different guys playing time, getting them on the field, kind of, you know, getting some backups on who who hadn't maybe played a lot this year, and get them some time as you headed the off season, and that's crucial when you just think about the development of a of a team. Uh, and everybody, you know, kind of had a moment at some point. Um, you know, Malik was certainly the most, but you know, Brian Thomas had a catch, and uh, Derek Davis even scored a touchdown, even though he's, uh, as far as we know, still headed for the transfer portal. So it's just a great day offensively. Chatting with Wilson Alexander for Tiger Talk. You know, looking at the defense, Major Burns, Mike Baskerville, Greg Brooks, like you mentioned, coming back next year, Jarek Bernard Converse, and a handful of others really contributed for a dominant performance holding Purdue to a little over 250 yards of total offense in this contest. You know, just kind of talk about the job that Matt House and his defense did in this bowl game to, to really slow down a depleted Boilermakers offense? Well, they had to do it being a little bit depleted themselves. You know, LSU had those opt-outs, and pretty much um, the the most crucial ones were on the defensive side. You know, this was a defense that wasn't playing without B.J. Ojolari, Ali Gay, ja, ja, uh, Jacqueline Roy, and Makai Garner. That's four starters, three of them right there on the defensive front. And so about two and a half weeks ago, Brian Kelly uh that it was they installed a 3-3-5 defense that they really they didn't use that this year that wasn't something that we ever really saw from lsu as much multiple looks as they had that was that was new and they got that together and um installed it in order to adapt to the personnel they had and everybody played really well um within that scheme and it was able to i mean there's just so much there's so much faster and uh more athletic than that purdue was especially with a purdue team that didn't have you know, it's a lot of its key players, especially on the offensive side, and uh, was able to just cause a lot of havoc. And uh, even when Purdue started moving the ball, you know, three interceptions, one from the great one at the end from Quad Wilson in particular, but also from Greg Brooks and Dark Bernard Converse um, to prevent them from scoring until the fourth quarter. Um, and it was, um, you know, you, you saw, you know, Savion Jones uh, really step up and start to assert himself as the possible starting defensive end next year, although he's going to have to, you know, earn that job and he's going to be a competition there. Um, Xavier Carter had a nice sack, um, uh, you know, coming on as a, as an edge rusher after he'd been a backup all season. And so a lot of things to like from the defense. And there's nothing that you can't like from this entire game when they won 63 to seven. Yeah, no, no question about it. Wilson, you were, you were there in Orlando yesterday. What's one thing that you saw? That really stood out to you that maybe the ordinary person didn't didn't catch. Ooh, um, 
I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. Um, something that the ordinary person didn't catch. Um, I don't know if it's something that not everybody uh, would have not seen. Maybe something that just sort of random that comes to mind is Mason Taylor got to really sort of display his ability to run after the catch. We hadn't seen that really this year. Um, they, you know, he had a on his touchdown catch. Uh, he was just kind of out there in the flat, and Mason's had a great freshman year. He actually is now second all time um, in LSU history for a number of receptions by a tight end in the season, and he's just doing that as a freshman. And um, you know, he, he maybe wasn't. You know, Bar- Ryan Kelly compared him before the season to you know maybe uh, breaking out like Brock Bowers over at Georgia, and he maybe didn't quite do that as a freshman, but. He's had a really solid year and a lot of promise there, what he could continue to develop into as a tight end. Um, being able to kind of weave through the defense and to maybe just brings another element to what else you can do offensively next year. Um, but I, I don't know. Uh, I don't have a great answer for you on that one, but it's a good question. Going ahead to 2023, so much of the production from yesterday will return. Almost every offensive starter, and I want to say seven of the 11 defensive starters will will return in purple and gold next year that has got to be a major positive for for brian kelly and his coaching staff as they head into the offseason well that's where the your why why there's sort of so much optimism already bubbling about what else you could accomplish in 2023 it's going to be a top 10 preseason team if it's not there something will major will have happened between now and the opener uh over the next eight months there's certainly a long way to go and but I mean, you know, Mason Smith uh, seems on track to be returning from his ACL injury, and you know, there's still a lot of things that this team's going to have to do. Um, certainly, the the cornerbacks room has been remade again, and that those players have got to step up. Um, you got to make sure that you know there's nothing proven at cornerback, and um, so else he's going to have to uh, you know find answers there. Going to have to ha- get some f- figure out ways to generate pressure without a lot of proven options at, at edge rusher. Um, there's you know certainly other. Um, question marks that kind of have to be answered, but um, there is so much returning production that LSU is in a really good spot um, because usually whenever you have that level of, of production returning, it's a good indicator for what you can do, especially I think on the offensive side, um, well really on both sides, and that's where a lot of LSU's returning production is coming is on the offensive side, and so there's a lot of reason to feel good about that unit, what they could maybe accomplish. You know, they, Brian, excuse me, Mike Dimbrock and Jaden Daniels talked a lot about it the other day. Just you know, being able to work on the finer details. Jaden Daniels came in two weeks before the spring this year, and really didn't the whole offense didn't click until you know really right after that Tennessee game. And so maybe throughout this season, um, the thinking certainly goes that they'll have the opportunity to be able to work on that stuff now and really be able to just be firing on all cylinders. And we'll see what that looks like. Wilson Alexander joining us for Tiger Talk one last time for the 2022 season. Wilson, we appreciate your insight this season. As always, uh, enjoy a, a much needed, you know, slowdown, if you will. And uh, in, in a couple months, when spring football rolls around, we'll uh, we'll have you on again. That sounds good. Uh, thanks for having me all year. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Um, we'll chat again uh, in the spring, and uh, uh, y'all have a, a good one and a, a happy new year to you. Um, thanks again for having me on all these times. Thank you, Wilson. Appreciate you, man. All right. Bye bye. Tune in next week for another edition of Tiger Talk. Here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 
Welcome back to Crunch Time 520 here on your Tuesday afternoon. As a reminder, there's still that 18-wheeler accident on I-10 at the intersection of I-10 and I-49, the the overpass there. There's an 18-wheeler that is stalled and it is blocking traffic. Um, So if you are heading in that area, please do so with caution. Also, there is an ex- there is an accident on Gloria Switch, very close to our station. So again, if you are in this area, please please do so with with caution or, or avoid it if at all possible. Tulane and USC met yesterday in the Cotton Bowl in a in a contest that for a long time, really from its inception was going to be a close game. Uh, at one point, I, I think the largest line for USC was three points. You you come into this game, if you're USC, you had a strong year at 11-2. and two. You had the Heisman Trophy winning quarterback. Lincoln Riley putting his stamp on this, this Blue Blood program. And, and you go into this Cotton Bowl game, a, a historic bowl matchup, to play a two-lane team that has really struggled to find success in the last couple of years, two and ten a year ago. Now, if you're Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams, you're familiar with Tulane because you played them to open the 2021 season when you were at Oklahoma, and Tulane only lost to you by one point. So this time, Tulane was going to be sure to take advantage of the opportunity. Tulane scores 32 points in the second half to take down USC 46 to 45. The winning touchdown being scored with nine seconds left in the contest. It was a six yard touchdown pass from Michael Pratt to Alex Bowman. Um, This was a game where, with four and a half minutes left, USC was up 15 and in control. And then a Quick two-play, 63-yard drive resulted in a four-yard touchdown for Tulane. They pinned the ball after a mistake by the USC returner. The ball ends up at the one-yard line. Tulane gets a safety out of it, and then they go 12 plays, 66 yards with only one timeout and win the game. In dramatic fashion, finished 12-2 and on the year. Uh, it is the largest turnaround in FBS history. You went from two and ten to twelve and two in the matter of a year. I mean, unbelievable results this year out of Willie Fritz and the Green Wave. Uh, this was a game that had over eleven hundred yards of total offense. USC with five ninety four, Tulane with five thirty nine. And it was a game that USC dominated the time of possession. USC nearly had, they were 11 seconds away from doubling the time of possession that Tulane had the football. And yet Tulane is is victorious inside Jerry's world, 46-45. to Caleb Williams throwing five touchdown passes. However, Tajay Spears, the running back for Tulane, 17 carries, 205 yards, and four touchdowns in the contest. Uh, easily the biggest bowl win in the history 
of Tulane University, dating all the way back to at least 1939. So congrats to, to Willie Fritz and the Tulane Greenway. Very, very impressive what, what they were able to do last night in Jerry's world. James, there's college basketball tonight. LSU taking on Kentucky inside the famous Rupp Arena up there in Lexington. LSU coming off of that big, big win over Arkansas a, a, a week ago. You know, and then you look at Kentucky kind of struggling a little bit this year. Nine and four. They, they've dropped some games that maybe you kind of scratch your head at a little bit going, should they have lost that game? And so this is a, a prime opportunity for Matt McMahon and, and the Tigers to go into a rough environment and, and play against a, a, a struggling team or, or a up-and-down team. And who knows, their, their last since they're up-and-down, you look at their last game, an 86-63 win over Louisville, are, are you maybe catching the Wildcats on a downslope? Yeah, you look at overall their whole schedule. Early on, third game, they lose by nine to Michigan State. Now, Michigan State, the Spartans, always a good program when it comes to men's basketball. They lose to number two Gonzaga by 16. You, you could understand Kentucky just loses altogether, but... By 16, that, that one really catches you off guard. They lose by 10 in kind of a low-scoring game against number 16 UCLA at home in Rupp Arena. And like, like you had just mentioned, at Missouri, they lose by 14. But you see, and, and then you even look at some of their wins. Okay, look at the game against Yale. Now, Yale's one of those schools that quietly has a good basketball program. But you only won by 10. You only beat Bellarmine by 19. James, in full disclosure, the only reason I know that Bellarmine is a school is because Kim Mulkey and the LSU Lady Tigers played against them this year. Yeah. How does Kentucky only beat Bellarmine by 19? Now you sit there and go, well, 19's a wide margin. Not when it's Kentucky and Bellarmine. I think because looking at the signs of what we've seen on the schedule for the Wildcats, LSU hasn't been world beaters because they've had close games themselves against opponents you feel like they should have blown out Absolutely as well. agree. But I think overall, you get that big win against Arkansas, not pretty. We had mentioned that before, but a win is a win. And you starting off 1-0 and in the SEC, you feel like even though you're going to Rupp Arena, you're going to play at Kentucky, at Kentucky you're not going to be in the PMAC. You're going to be on the road. You still feel like this is a solid chance. Kentucky's already lost four games this season. You've only lost one. Correct. You feel like you have a solid chance that you can win this game. It's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be high scoring. I could see this being like a 65-61 game. Oscar Tashibwe. Potentially potentially lower scoring. Oscar Tashibwe is going to be a guy that LSU is going to have to figure out if they have an answer for. I mean, he's leading the country in rebounds right now, averaging nearly 14 a game. He scores about 17 points a game. Uh, he is a six foot nine, 260 pound senior from the Democratic Republic of the Congo. He also 
makes his stance on the defensive end, not just with boards, but Absolutely. also gets blocks. Absolutely. Um, he is he is just a, a an absolutely fantastic player. John Calipari has been very lucky to have him uh, on his team for the last couple of seasons and for him to stay as long as he has. How how do you answer that? How do you use you know a, a, a KJ Hill or a, a big man down low to kind of slow him down a little bit? Because if anybody's going to help Kentucky control the game, it's Toshibwe. You look at his last five games; only one of him, one of them, did he have less than ten points, and they lost that game. He's had 28 against Yale. He had 8 against UCLA. He scored 14 against FAMU. He had 23 in their loss to Missouri. And then he had 24 in their win over Louisville. This is going to be a a tough test for the Tigers and a very challenging environment. But, man, if you can start SEC play, if you're Matt McMahon and you can start SEC play 2-0, with wins over Arkansas and Kentucky, you are rolling on down the right path. Granted, still early. You just turned into 2023. You still have two months until the conference tournament. But that puts you, momentum-wise, confidence-wise, that puts you in the driver's seat for a nice little stretch of games there where you you can kind of go, okay, we know that we can hang with and beat the the top teams in the SEC. Let's just keep playing our game, keep doing what we're doing, and and good things are going to happen. So definitely looking forward to that game, 7 o'clock tonight. You can catch it right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. But if you didn't get what you wanted from Santa, it's not to worry. We have the gifts you really want in the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. How about a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cyber's Bayou Casino Resort? A $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen, also at Cyber's Bayou Casino Resort? A $40 gift card to Misfits Dine and Drink in Broussard, or even a $50 gift certificate to Richard Seafood Patio in Abbeville. Those all sound great, don't they? Sign up for the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com today. It's free, it's simple, and you could win some excellent prizes. We'll take a time out when we return. Brendan Moore of the Sideline Sports Network joins us to talk bowl season and we'll do a way too early preview of 2023 right here on the game at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. A recent survey said that game listeners prefer our station than filing their taxes. Take that, taxes. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. So we're talking about I-10 being closed because of a 18-wheeler incident. James, an 18-wheeler didn't stall on the overpass. An 18-wheeler traveling on I-49 hit the bottom of the overpass. 
and ha- has now structurally damaged a section of it. Oh, that's going to be a headache. That is... Yikes. Not good. Not good. 5.36 on your Tuesday now. Let's chat college football with our guy Brendan Moore of the Sideline Sports Network. Brendan, Happy New Year, sir. How are you? Doing good. Happy New Year. So, you know, looking at bowl season so far, obviously the the playoff semifinals and, and all of that went down over the weekend. What's kind of been your, your general thought on the way the bowl season has played out so far? I think, I mean, I think it's been uh, super entertaining. I mean, I think the people that says that say there are too many bowl games are just flat out wrong. And, I mean, in terms of bowl games, can't get enough of them. So I'm always down for bowl games. I love watching bowl games. Nothing better than football. So they've been very entertaining. Let's talk about this past weekend. You know, we'll start with Friday night, Tennessee and Clemson in the Orange Bowl. This was a game that, you know, was was interesting because neither team was going to have their starting quarterback from the season with Cade Klubnick going for Clemson and then Joe Milton going for Tennessee. And, and man, Tennessee came out with Joe Milton and without Jalen Hyatt and just put on an absolute clinic in this contest. Yeah, I mean, that just goes to show how deep Tennessee is at wide receiver and how well wide receivers play in Josh Heupel's system. So I think that speaks on that. But you mentioned the quarterback situation kind of at both schools. I mean, going into next year, is Joe Milton the guy? Is uh, Nico Aymalieva, I probably butchered his name, but he's coming in, uh true freshman quarterback. So he's already been practicing with Tennessee during bowl, during the uh, bowl practices. So is he going to be the starter? Who knows? Kate Klubnick looks shaky, under pressure a lot. I notice he has a tendency to, when he has room to step up and step up in the pocket, he rolls out to his right and runs backwards 10, 15 yards. So he's got to break out of some bad habits ahead of next year because he's the guy for Clemson. There's no other real realistic option to take over for him at quarterback. It's going to be Cade Klubnick's team, so he's got to grow up fast. But Tennessee, I'm really interested to see what that quarterback situation is like because even watching Klubnick makes me hesitant on Aymalieva if he were to play next year. Just hesitant on true freshman playing quarterback in general. And then Saturday morning, you had the Sugar Bowl between Alabama and Kansas State. Kansas State jumps out to that ten nothing lead, and then Nick Saban and Bryce Young said, "Nah, we're we're done with this." Yeah, I mean Saban, you you know he motivates his team very well. So I mean Kansas State jumped out to an early lead, was excited, uh, was an exciting game a little bit early on. Deuce Vaughn had a heck of a heck of a game for them, uh, but the talent took over really. I mean Bama. Uh, they look like they wanted to be there as opposed to uh, past years when they haven't made the playoffs. So, uh, Bama looked good with Bryce Young and Will Anderson. I don't know what else there is to it, man. And then you, you go even further than that on Saturday, and you look at the the two playoff semifinals. You know, TCU and Michigan was a game that was it was one of those where you know you expected TCU to maybe hang around a bit. But you also, part of you kind of thought, well, you know, it's Michigan. TCU's Cinderella run is going to end here. But then every time Michigan pulled themselves back into the game, TCU kicked them back down on their back. Yeah, I thought TCU did a really good job at halting the momentum when Michigan got some momentum. 
know, TCU struggled a little bit on defense, especially in that second half. J.J. McCarthy had some explosive passing plays, uh, even to open the game. Uh, Donovan Edwards had that big run. So, I mean, TCU they gave up a big play. They were so good at resetting, refocusing, and on to the next play. Or on now to the offense. Let's go get those points back. So I thought TCU showed a lot of resilience, and we've seen that throughout the whole season. They've been down in a lot of in a lot of games. Oklahoma State game, Baylor game. I mean, they're battle tested. This team, they're very resilient. So, I mean, I, TCU's defense, I think, is a little bit underrated. I know they gave up 45 points, but I thought D Winters had a heck of a game for them. He had uh, one of the pick sixes, I believe. So he's a guy to watch out for in the national championship game. And, and I know watching Michigan lose was was a bonus for you, right? That was absolutely incredible as a Michigan State guy. So I mean, that's just add a bonus. I thought they were going to win. I thought TCU might keep it close, but I'm always down for a Michigan loss. And then in the other one in the Peach Bowl, you, you kind of you look at the history of the CFP so far, and if one semifinal's really great, the other one's going to kind of be a dud. And uh, you got the exact opposite. Uh, the Ohio State-Georgia game may have been better than, than TCU and Michigan. What were your thoughts on that contest? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned it. This is the best pair of college football playoff semifinals of all time. I and mean, I think this is the ninth year of the playoff. <clears throat> so that kind of says a lot to what these games provided for us entertainment-wise. I thought Ohio State got too conservative in the end. I really did. Uh, sign up a field goal. I think it was from like four high forties, fifty yards out. That's just way too far. The run play at the uh, in the last drive there. They just got too conservative, too conservative in the end. But looking at Georgia, obviously they're going in the national championship game against TCU. TCU has, has a decent passing attack. I know Duggan struggled a little bit against Michigan, but TCU has good downfield threat at wide receiver. Georgia had a hard time containing Marvin Harrison. So if TCU can find that receiver, whether it's Quentin Johnson, Tay Barber, Georgia might have a hard time containing that TCU passing attack. So Georgia's got Georgia's got some kinks to work out in practice. Chat with Brendan Moore of the Sideline Sports Network. LSU and Purdue met in the Citrus Bowl yesterday. And, I mean, what, what else can you say other than LSU just ran away with it early, often, and never gave Purdue even the slightest chance to, to catch up? Yeah, I mean, it was nice to see Jane Daniels get in there. Also, Nussmeyer got some time. So, I mean, they did what they needed to do against a Purdue team who didn't have their head coach, uh, didn't have their quarterback, didn't have their top wide receiver. I mean, Drew Brees was coaching the quarterback. So they did what they needed to do, 63-7, to pretty impressive uh, for LSU. Not much I'm really going to take away from that game just in terms of not making excuses for LSU or for Purdue or devaluing the win for LSU. But this was not the same Purdue team as we saw them in the regular season. And then, you know, looking at the last traditional Rose Bowl with with the Rose Bowl now becoming a playoff semifinal, what were your thoughts on, on Penn State taking down Utah 35-21? Yeah, it's sad to see there are no more Rose Bowls with uh, Big Ten versus Pac-12. Maybe we'll see it in the playoffs, a Big Ten team and a Pac-12 team playing, but Sad to see. Uh, I thought Sean Clifford had one of the best games of his Penn State career. He took care of the football. He looked good. Nick Singleton was good in the run game for Penn State. When you look at Penn State's season, they won every game they really should have. The only losses were against Michigan and Ohio State, and they were and they're in their division. So I mean, nothing too uh, big to complain about for Penn State's season as a whole. 
I thought, I mean, Utah struggled a little bit after Cameron Rising went out with that injury, but they were struggling with him. And I mean, Rising only went like eight for 22 or something like that. He didn't really have a great day throwing the ball. Utah just wasn't able to get the offense going. I mean, that was a big difference. Good one for Penn State. You know, kind of doing a a preview of the national title game between TCU and Georgia, you kind of touched on TCU finding that, that one receiver that can really exploit Georgia's major weakness in, in their secondary. What else stands out to you about this matchup? I mean, J.J. McCarthy had a good day passing the football. We need to see uh, Stetson Bennett have a good day throwing the football as well. That's going to be big. Also taking care of it, Georgia can't have a whole lot of turnovers because TCU makes the most of those opportunities. They're a very opportunistic football team. So Georgia, take care of the football. I mean, Stetson Bennett's probably going to have to have a big day. So TCU on the TCU side, I think the run game's key. Hopefully uh, Kendra Miller can come back for them. Not sure what his status is. But DeMarcado had a had a decent game for TCU after Kendra Miller got injured. He did fumble it once, but TCU run game is going to be important. And just physicality was a main question for TCU going into the Michigan game. But they matched Michigan's physicality, maybe even out-physical Michigan into trenches. Curious to see how that kind of stacks up against Georgia. I mean, as the spread is like 12.5, 13, 13.5, somewhere around there. I've seen it fluctuate, but this to me feels like a one-score football game. And then, you know, I, I know you're more of a college football guy, but last night, Monday night football between the Bills and the Bengals, DeMar Hamlin uh, uh, going through, you know, uh, an unforeseen and very tragic situation on the field last night. What are your thoughts on, on that play? Yeah, I mean, it's just a freak accident. I don't know what there is much to say about it that's already been said. Freak accident. I mean, praying for the guy, hoping he pulls through, obviously. It's just unfortunate. I mean, because those players, they're with their fan, they're with their uh, teammates all throughout the fall, all throughout the winter. Uh, they spent Christmas with them. I mean, being part of a team, it's, it's like a family, and it's hard to, I guess, see a player like that go down when so many different people care about him. So hopefully he pulls through, and it's just an unfortunate freak accident, unfortunately. Brendan Moore of the Sideline Sports Network joining us here on Crunch Time. Brendan, appreciate you as always, and uh, enjoy the national championship game Monday night. We'll talk again soon. Yep, you as well. Have a happy new year. And there he goes, Brendan Moore of the Sideline Sports Network. Breaking news from Adrian Wojnarowski. New Orleans Pelicans star Zion Williamson is expected to miss multiple weeks with a hamstring strain. Sources report Williams underwent an MRI earlier. Williamson underwent an MRI earlier today. What what's multiple? Is that two? Is that six? I mean, where can can we can we be a little more transparent here? Because you you can't tell me that the team doctors don't know. You saw the MRI. I mean, obviously, there's going to be a range, right? It's it's three to six or, or whatever, but don't just say give a number. Multiple weeks. Come on. That could be two. That could be ten. That. Anyways. Anyways. Uh, college basketball again tonight. LSU and Kentucky. Tomorrow we will spend some time talking about 
the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, who dropped two on the road over the weekend to Coastal Carolina and Old Dominion. And we will begin previewing their matchups with Southern Miss and Georgia State this weekend inside the Cajun Dome. But you can get Mardi Gras started the right way with a real fun run. Trail presents the Lundy Gras Barathon Monday, February the 20th. It's four miles through Freetown, just south of the parade route. Wear a costume and enjoy free drinks throughout the course served at the Adult Hydration Station. A party bus will follow close behind so runners can jump aboard at any time, run all, some, or none. And the audience will vote for the winner of the costume contest, so bring your loudest and craziest friends. It's the Lundy Graw Barathon. Free drinks, food, and prizes. Register now at latrail.org. We'll take a timeout, wrap up today's show after this, right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and World Series champion, Houston Astros. From the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans. Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time as we're wrapping up the show on this Tuesday edition. I do want to remind you one more time that now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's free bets back if your first bet doesn't win. With live betting, you'll get updated odds on games that have already started, and then when you win, you'll get paid your winnings fast. All on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So sign up today with promo code KLWB for your no-sweat first bet. That's promo code KLWB. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 and older and present in Louisiana and permitted parishes only. First online real money wager only. Refund issued is non-withdrawable free bets expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. As we wrap up today's edition of Crunch Time, the Houston Astros have made a trade acquiring a outfielder from the Pittsburgh Pirates, almost said the Pittsburgh Penguins, no, the Pittsburgh Pirates, by the name of Bly Madras. They acquired him from the Detroit Tigers today in exchange for cash considerations. Uh, Madras will be placed on the Astros' 40-man roster, which currently sits at 39. Also, Astros fans... Astros Fan Fest is coming up on January 21st in Houston. If, if you want to check that out as Houston looks to repeat as World Series champions in 2023. Once again, LSU and Kentucky will play on our airwaves tonight. Pre-game at 6.30. Tip-off is at 7 from Rupp Arena in Lexington as the 12 and 1 LSU Tigers will take on the 9 and 4 Kentucky Wildcats. Uh, interesting headline really quickly. The Panthers and Jim Harbaugh have supposedly discussed Harbaugh becoming the new coach of Carolina. Intriguing. Will will Harbaugh find success in his second stint in the NFL? Hmm. That'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, also, the NCAA 
is looking at the possibility of a 90-team NCAA basketball tournament. Bumping it up from 68 to 90. I would hope that that comes with a shortened regular season. Because if you're just going to ask them to play more games, that seems a little wild. But, you know, definitely something to uh, to look at. And also, the U.S. Soccer Federation is investigating U.S. men's national head coach Greg Berhalter. We'll talk about that and more tomorrow here on Crunch Time. I want to thank Wilson Alexander and Brendan Moore for joining us today. For James Mesh, I'm Matt Miguez. Be safe, be well, give a big hug to your mom and them. Continue to pray for DeMar Hamlin and his family. And uh, we will be back tomorrow on Crunch Time, 4-6, to six, right here on The Game. It's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros.